Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined as always by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? Swell, swell. You know, it's springtime now, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. Sun's come out here in the great state of Oklahoma. Bad part. I sneeze every four seconds now, though. So <laughs> listeners beware. Allergies are afoot. That's for sure. It's not COVID. I think we're past. I mean, you're fully vaccinated. I'm halfway vaccinated. Yeah. We're, we're maybe uh, less susceptible to COVID now than before, right. which is exciting. Um, now I'm still looking like I have COVID because I'm yeah. sneezing all the time and my face is just flushed. You know? Yeah. 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 That was the tricky part about this time last year, too. It was the allergies and, you know, is the allergy headache constitute get, going to get a COVID test? Right. Scary and times. Giant Q tips that got their nose. Yeah, I didn't want my brain tickled too much. That's so, for sure. You know, but this year now, people are getting back out and about. And uh, they're going to see it this year, though. Last year, people avoided it because I was yep. stuck inside. Yep. This 100%. Year, case. 100%. Uh, Matt, I, I do have a short story. I did go to the dentist on Friday. And I've decided that the going to the dentist is the worst possible activity anybody <laughs> could do. Like, str- full stop, straight up. Like, I don't like moving. I don't like, uh, like sweating a ton, being like super hot, but going to the dentist tops all of that shenanigans. Like even doing taxes. <laughs> I don't think I've been to the dentist in like five years. It's good. Cause it, it sucks. There's I'm no, there's no good thing, uh, at all about going to the dentist. And if like any of your family members, now hear that you haven't gone to the dentist in five years like someone's gonna pressure you going to the dentist oh my wife's been pressuring me to go to the dentist go get you know like a wellness checkup at the doctor but right we're like 26 though so it's fine we won't lose our teeth till at least 40 so we yeah. won't be have dentures until then at least yeah, we're fine. so we're fine we're fine it's all fine anyways moving on to actual basketball podcasts you know the thing that we we uh, enjoy talking about not some random shenanigans uh, that are not fine today. Yeah. That, yeah. That is the topic of today's show. We're going to talk about tanking teams here in a little bit. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you haven't already, give us a rating or a view on uh, the podcast platform of your choice. And we greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Also, thank you to everyone who's been listening. We've had like, a ton of listeners uh, and plays over the last three episodes. So thank you so much for listening to us ramble on about, uh, you know, basketball things and our favorite teams and maybe not so favorite teams. <clears throat> New York Knicks. <laughs> NBA always interesting though. There, there's a, uh, what does Brian Windhorst tweet out? Like every other night it feels like every night there's something interesting happening in the NBA. I feel like that's a, uh, that should be the motto of our podcast. It's true. It's true. Um, <clears throat> Matt, what did people miss in episode 105? So we talked about, you know, mostly the, the buyouts, players not traded, teams starting to direction themselves to tank, such as the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and then some just overall burning questions in regards to some teams. Um, obviously, a lot of moves this year and so talking about some of those but also where that puts some teams and then our league pass watches for the last week i had the portland trailblazers now sitting at 30 and 19 three and one since we last recorded did did wonderful blew out the thunder whether you know but they shot like 45 percent from three that night or something ridiculous like it, it wasn't even close it was like a 50 point game also beat the the Raptors and Pistons. Did drop one to the Bucks, but good good week. Good uh, to see CJ McCollum back for the Blazers. Mm. Now the Houston Rockets. Your watch, thirteen and thirty six, zero oh and four since the last recording. They are one of the teams we will talk more about today. But they are just riding the struggle bus. It was atrocious games, but it was atrocious. Just absolutely a nightmare. You just never know who they're going to put on the court, Ryan. 
yeah, it's a bunch of bad NBA players. That's who they're putting on the court for the most part. And G League players. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. It's not pretty. It's not pretty at all. Um, well, this week, NBA news. Matt, we got some big things happening this week. Yeah, we some things were some th- some things got shaken up this week. Uh, but to start off uh, yesterday, um, I think this was Sunday. Maybe it was over the weekend. I don't remember exactly when the news hit. But Drew Holiday signed a four-year, $134 million extension. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That could also get up to like 160 if he hits all the incentives. But There are incentives there. Um, but also, uh, I think he has a play. I read that he has a player option uh, in that fourth year. So... Um, he, he's picking that up. It's yeah, that's this is a on average $34 million a year contract. Yeah, that's a lot of money for Drew Holiday, but Drew Holiday's been really good this year. He's been really good. Yeah. Uh, so uh good for Drew Holiday. Go and get his. I mean, yeah. this biggest contract he's had. No, no longer in New Orleans. Yeah, no kind of good. Super paid. But <laughs> this is a big Drew Drew Holiday year, I feel like. Yeah. Uh so, uh, two players got two separate 10-day contracts. Boogie Cousins gets a 10-day contract with Clippers, and then Isaiah Th- Thomas uh, signs a 10-day contract with New Orleans. Matt, does this move the needle for either of those teams for you? Um, so, the Clippers, no. I, I, as much as I like watching DeMarcus Cousins play basketball, we – this is just the most unfortunate like three year span his career could have ever gone through. So unfortunately I'm out. Like I get why you bring him in to see if it does anything, but no, the Isaiah Thomas one, I think Isaiah Thomas can still play. Um, Mm. He can still get buckets at the NBA level. So again, as a backup, I like Isaiah Thomas as a starter. I probably don't love Isaiah Thomas for New Orleans. I'm a little confused here just because they did keep Lonzo Ball at the trade deadline. They still do have um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. They still do have um, their rookie, Kyra Lewis. So it's like Isaiah Thomas is coming in. I know it's a 10-day to be their fourth, fifth guard. He's probably not cool with that. Yeah, I feel like uh, it's kind of unfortunate for both these players because entries have really kind of derailed both their careers in a way um it feels like the real last shot at the nba right when you're signing 10-day contracts it's not usually a great sign for where your career path is headed in the nba um and boogie i mean we haven't really seen him play since what the 2019 nba finals like a small stretch i guess yeah and then like boogie i hasn't said- been boogie since he was in new orleans with anthony davis though yeah, since he had the Achilles tear. And with Isaiah, like I, I think you're kind of right there. Is like New Orleans has put an emphasis on playing the young guys. So is this like uh, bringing in a veteran to like try to push your young guys? Like are you trying to bring him in to teach young guys? Like wh- what is the move here? I'm a little confused <laughs> by it. Stan Van Gundy system though. Yeah, like, right. Defensively and like the defense first mindset. Like he doesn't help with that at all. So – I'm, I'm a bit confused in that regard. Maybe for Isaiah Thomas, this is a team willing to give him a 10-day, mm. and he's treating this as kind of like his tryout for the other NBA teams, which if you're doing that from an Isaiah Thomas perspective, like I get it. But I, in terms of like does this actually help New Orleans kind of, you know, jumpstart the team to get back up into that playing game race, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, 100%. Um, some injury news now. Unfortunately, for the Timberwolves, Malik Beasley is out four to six weeks with a hamstring injury after returning from his suspension. But D'Angelo Russell um, returned tonight for the Timberwolves, so that's a step maybe in the right direction for the Timberwolves. We're about to talk about them here in a minute, so we'll talk more about that situation. Uh, Gordon Hayward out at least four weeks with a foot sprain. Uh, It's kind of unfortunate. Charlotte's been playing really well as of late, even without LaMelo. Um, I think they're up to the six right now, currently in the East. Uh, 
So they may even slip further down the standings um, in the playoff race there. In the East, though, you have two bad days and you're like in the play-in. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a great point. They're like a half game out from like the four, but you're essentially tied with everyone else below you. Yeah, if you're in that sixth spot, so they could tumble pretty quick in the next week or so. All their good uh, ball movers now, Ball and Hayward both out. So yeah, see if they can still execute Borrego's system with a lot of guys that good players, but not you know the team. The play. playmakers that they've had yeah. all season. What right. what's made them fun? Yeah, they're basically just last year's team now. Right, right. Which was not a good team. <laughs> they were able to draft Lamelo. Right, exactly. Um, another last injury note here: uh, Josh Hart suffers a torn UCL in his thumb. I actually didn't see a timeline for how long he's out. Matt, did you? No, didn't that just come out today though? I think so. I think they did. I mean, if I'm New Orleans, I think that's probably a rest of the year thing. But I guess, like, he did play last night in Orlando um, with the injury. And it wasn't until today that they decided to do an x ray on it. So, or an MRI or whatever. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe he comes back. Maybe he's just one of those guys that's like, I don't care. But I, I think if you're New Orleans, like, this is a kind of a guy for you. So, don't, don't rush this. He's heading restricted free agency this summer, right? Yeah. So, Maybe. I mean, yeah. if him, you're him, yeah, I wouldn't if I were him. But, you know, he may have a different view of it. <clears throat> and last piece of news here. This was really interesting this week. J.J. Reddick on his podcast, The Old Man and Three, um, speaks kind of speaks out on his time in New Orleans about the front office experience, essentially told uh, – said in his podcast that the front office lied to him um, and that he requested a trade back in November and that wasn't granted until, of course, the trade deadline. Um, so kind of, a, I don't know, it was an interesting situation. There was some interesting discourse about it. Of course, like Twitter's not always the best place for that, but uh, you heard some things on different podcasts. Matt, what, are, what is your take on it? So the whole situation. One, I love, you know, getting a player side of this, right? Like a detailed, yeah. not just like a, they knew what I wanted and they didn't do it. Like he went more in depth with it than that, which yeah. I think was important for him. Um, Cause if you're going to lean in, you got to lean in all the way to this. And so I like that JJ was very revealing in what he mm -hmm. talked about um, with David Griffin. Um, so I, I appreciate that there's a certain professionalism that comes with like, if you sign the contract, you know, you gotta, you know, deal with that. Like if you didn't want a two year deal in New Orleans, you shouldn't have signed a two year contract. Right. I get it. But I think going back to this point though, basketball is a, you know, sport of about people. So when JJ said, I, why I wanted to trade back to the Northeast, not for any basketball reason, he said, I wasn't even trying to go to Brooklyn but my family lives in Brooklyn and I just wanted to be able to go see them like when I had a day off. So that can mean I live in Boston or I live in Philly or, or Brooklyn, or I live in New York, like with, with the Knicks. Um, but I just want to go be able to see my kids. Like, I think that very people like the, that part of it really got to me. Um, you know, in any other year I'd be like, suck it up. Like, <laughs> right. Orleans if that was the case and obviously when he did sign New Orleans COVID wasn't a thing but now that it is I I get that side of it like you just want to be close to your people um and not have to like go quarantine then because of it so I get it if all he said is true then I don't think yeah David Griffin's smiling about all this right now for sure yeah right but I know you and I were talking off air about this New Orleans already really wasn't a destination for free agents. So yeah, this obviously doesn't help, but I don't know how much it hurt either because at the end of the day, they can pay people millions of dollars to play basketball and that's going to be enticing to some people. So, you know? Yeah. I think a couple things. So I remember JJ talking about how his family on another podcast, I think shortly, maybe like during his last free agency, 
Um, so this would have been last summer, summer of 2019. I think he was on like the Bill Simmons podcast or something like that. And he was talking about how he wanted to go to a wedding situation um, and kind of location, you know, whatever, because uh, he could always, you know, spend more time with his family after the fact. And of course, a lot of that's changed with COVID restrictions. Um, I just thought it was kind of interesting to kind of see him like as he's gotten older, change perspectives, I guess, right. a little bit um, and kind of put more focus on his family because you're right. He probably hasn't seen his family hardly at all um, this season um, because of COVID, COVID restrictions. I also think it's interesting. He said something to the effect of like, yeah, I don't, I think, you know, this agency, his like um, agent is going to be hesitant to work with New Orleans. And if, uh, like, I guess I was listening to the Woj podcast, I didn't, or the uh, Hoop Collective podcast, and the same agency that represents Reddick represents Zion Williams. Zion Williamson. Not the exact same agent, but same agency. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a little. I think like JJ knew exactly what he was saying when he made that remark. Um, oh yeah. And, and I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't think anything's gonna happen with Zion, but I, I think there's some like, you know inside baseball stuff going on there that that's well, kind of interesting to hear about and see about you know i've and i've thought of this too but you've heard little i don't know nuggets of information like at some point there's going to be like a rookie on his rookie deal that you know you get towards the end of it and most obviously just resign extend you could just take the qualifying offer like after your fourth year and so you play your fifth year on the qualifying offer and then you're unrestricted Whereas, you know, most rookies after their four year, they're restricted free agents. Right. You could just take qualifying, play one more year, and then become unrestricted. You know, no one's ever done it that I'm aware of. Um, but there's going to come a day where someone does it just because they're like, get me out of here. But, How interesting yeah. would it be if it was Zion, you right. know? And play, af- after yeah. all that stuff. Um, right. Plays three more years in New Orleans. And it's just like, you know what? I'm out. I want, but I want to go where I want to go, not trading me. I want right. to go where I want to go. I'm not saying Zion would do it. I'm no, obviously, connection with Zion at all. It's just someone's going to do it at some point. So why not him? It's a great point. I, I It's got to be someone really talented, right? Like right. it's got to be someone top tier of their class. And Zion may be like a very fascinating case study to see if that actually plays out that way. Yeah. Very Any- anyways, I guess we're going to kind of talk about some other bad teams outside of the Pelicans because we're ready to talk about some tank teams. Matt, yeah. how excited are you for this? I actually am. Cause this is, <laughs> I know again, we were talking off here. This is kind of our last great opportunity. Yeah. To get a, a good talk in with these tank teams because we're 20 games or so this season. That's coming up soon. And, you know, these teams, largely, those last couple weeks are going to be unwatchable. Mm. So yeah. if they have any competitive basketball left in them, it's going to come out, you know, here in the next, you know, week or two, right? But for a lot of them, they're trying to figure out their direction. Some teams not trying to tank, but they're just bad. Mm. Some teams, yeah, they, they want to be bad, as we are now seeing like the Oklahoma City Thunder do. But, you know, is it too little too late? So we'll, we'll talk about each of these, you know, bottom six teams or so and one burning question with them. So we'll start with Minnesota because they are record-wise the worst team in the league. Currently 12-38. and 38. Do you remember, Ryan, when we were doing the um, preseason, like, predictions, like who was going to make it in and everything? Like, we both said, I'm pretty sure we both said, like, Minnesota was, like, hard not going to make it in. And that like got some pushback. Like people thought Minnesota would be good this year. Uh, so I feel I feel like I was there with you. I thought I I don't know. I feel like a lot of people said Minnesota wasn't going to be good. I feel like I went back recently and looked at our prediction episodes, but it's just been bad all year for Minnesota. It hasn't even been close to being like a semblance of good. No. And again, injuries, COVID restrictions, all that have 
have really hurt them maybe as much as any team um, in the league. So I don't want to underplay that, but if you can't ever, ever put out seven competent NBA players, even if you're missing a star, like that's bad. Yeah. Right. So we mentioned up in the news, Russell's coming back now. Mm -hmm. He's assuming good health with him and cat. They're going to play these last 20 or so games together, Ryan. So we'll maybe kind of seeing it for the first time for a you know, good stretch of the year. Is this going to work? Oh boy, it better. I mean, like they can't like these 20 games, like I think with the rest of these teams, they don't really matter. There's one other team that we'll talk about that these last games matter because Minnesota owes a pick right. <laughs> to the Golden State Warriors this year. And if they can somehow, like, I don't, I don't know. They protected. Yeah. So if they can find a way to get some chemistry and get some momentum, but not win games, because <laughs> you essentially have to have this top three pick this year or else you're like the GM may get fired there in Minnesota. Yeah. Right. Like that's a real thing. And he's only been there for a couple of seasons. I don't. I'm hesitant to say yes because neither one of those players or this the collection of players in Minnesota currently can play defense. Nope. And that's what D'Angelo Russell he like he he can't fix that part of it. Right. Right. Can he fix some of the offensive stuff that they've gone through this year? Kind of. But like I was even watching a little bit of their game tonight, and like on a fast break, he just like didn't slide his feet at all. Like he just stopped. And stop, stop trying. And even offensively, like D'Lo is a ISO heavy player, and that's where he shines. And like Anthony Edwards has been really good in the second half of the season, but he's been better with the ball in his hands. And Cat yeah. again is kind of one of those guys who needs touches. He doesn't need the ball all the time, but he's going to need to get touches somehow. So if you have three ball dominant guys, like how do you spread that out? And can you figure out that chemistry quickly? Like in a way, like you want talent, you want guys who can score, you want guys who can do things with the ball in their hand, which Minnesota, it's like, they have that. It's just, are any of them truly good enough to command, you know, enough respect or, you know, to, to lead a team to wins. And this is part of the problem with like a crossing towns. And I know we had a, a good back and forth about him a, a few pods ago, He's still a center, though. Right. Like, you can only do so much through a center. Like, Philly's maxing out Joel Embiid right now, mm. right? Um, Nikola Jokic is, like, it's he, he's his own thing, though, right? So, like, Cat, while not a traditional center, he's closer to the, you know, Joel, middle, not old school, but I'm not new school, Jokic either. It's, like, he can only do so much, though. So you need the guards to play with him and play off of him. And like you were saying, like Russell loves to dribble. So, and Anthony Edwards maybe doesn't even know any better. Loves to dribble. <laughs> right. So, he's kind of gotten those bad habits because he's, he's been really the only guy for most of the season. Yeah. And so it's like, they're having to learn to play. They've been learning to play a new way here under Chris Finch, their new head coach. Like, we got to pass more. Like we got to find high post touches and cut. And now you're adding D'Lo who doesn't necessarily help with that. Mm. You know, he it's, it's not that D'Lo doesn't get assists, but is it impactful assist? Is it like playmaking assist or is it just a, I drove into the lane and just happened to kick it out. So that's, right. that's the thing is like, there's gotta be clear direction and while D'Angelo Russell is a good NBA player, Anthony Edwards is a good NBA player. Cron Towns is a great NBA player. Like if they don't really complement each other, then maybe that's a good thing. Cause you'll still hopefully keep your top three pick. But if it works well enough, just cause there's a lot of talent there, but not well enough to really say like, this is a building block. You might get out of the top three in the draft, but not have what you need moving forward. Also, it's like, it's either has to really work or really fail. Right. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't hate like the Malik Beasley trade like 
you go get talent, right? You always are looking to get add something to your team. I don't necessarily I didn't hate the trade at the time, but like I don't know if Malik Beasley and I think Minnesota considers Malik Beasley a building block of their team. I don't know if Malik Beasley is that guy. And I might be the guy right like driving the bandwagon for Malik Beasley. Again, just not what the team needs still. Yeah, exactly. He's not like he doesn't fill a role necessarily or a, a gap in that team. Like you need a defensive stopper. Like you need a, a someone there. And they, they don't have that guy necessarily. And it's like they even drafted like defensive wings like Josh Kogi and Jarrett Culver. And those guys still aren't able to do it too. So it's like just nothing in that regard has worked like for Minnesota. So it's like they they desperately need the top three pick. Like mm. they just do either to get a guy like Cade Cunningham who can, you know, really make sure we're, you know, spreading the ball around or to get, or Jalen Suggs, who's kind of in that same category who we saw hit the miraculous buzzer beater the other day. Who? What a, what a shot. Um, or they need like a defensive stopper like Evan Mobley, who's yeah. just like, we're, we're shutting this down. So it's like, if you're Minnesota, I, I'm almost like hoping that they see enough like in the minutes they play together, but I'm really hoping Cat and D'Lo, like they played minutes together. And then when one sun's out, they both step out. Mm. Like I, I want to see it. It's like, we're just trying to get the consistency and rhythm here and, you know, build with each other, but then we're going to put in everyone else and we're going to suck and we're going to lose the game. That's yeah. what I want to see from Minnesota. That's my personal opinion from Minnesota. Finally, competitive tanking, right? Yeah. It's the step of we're going to lose this game by like five instead of lose it by 20. Right. So we'll go to Houston next. And they suck, Ryan. They're really bad. <laughs> 13 and 36. I didn't think, like, I don't know. These last two teams have just been something else this year. Yeah. Like something bad. Yeah. So first of all, the more their new GM, Raphael Stone, talks, the less confident I am that Houston is going to be good at all in the next 10 years. Um, oh, so boy. They made the Oladipo trade, as we know, um, for Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and a draft swap, which mm. they're not going to use. Um, and effectively, he said, no, this is what we want because now we're going to get Kevin Porter Jr. more minutes. And it's like, you traded... Victor Oladipo for Kelly Olenek and some more minutes for <laughs> Kevin Porter Jr., which I like Kevin Porter Jr. I said at the time in his draft class, very, very talented. Just needed to get his head screwed on straight. So don't get me wrong. I want him to get more minutes too, but like, what are we doing here? So the only building block I think they have right now is Christian Wood. Is he even a building block, Ryan? Or is this just like a Detroit situation? I have no idea. Like, I've been saying this all year. I think every time we brought up Christian Wood, I've literally said, like, I don't think we've learned a single thing about Christian Wood because he went last year from playing in a bad situation to this year playing in a bad situation. So he he, he was signing up for a bad situation. Right. He thought he was, you know, signing up for James Harden pick and rolls and, Mm -hmm. you know, being a playoff team. But it's just been like, are you, you know, stats like good stats on a bad team type of guy because that like we have no idea we have no idea about really any of these players because it's just all bad stuff like kevin porter jr taking a gajillion shots in a game is that productive like is that truly productive for a player's development like kevin porter jr i really think kevin porter jr could be a starter like a legit starter in the league like at like at his peak but you know, it for him, it's less out stuff on the court. Right. So it's like, if he's just in a situation where it's like, hey, dude, just go chuck it 20 times and who cares? Like, don't get me wrong, I want him on the court, but like, not in that situation. That doesn't teach him the things he needs to be taught. It's weird because the Rockets are in this weird transitional period since the James Harden trade that they, you know, hired a coach to win, right? Like, that was their objective when they yeah. hired Steven Silas. Uh, and even Raphael Stone um, was supposed to be a continuation of the previous front office, right? To kind of right. help foster, yeah, 
help foster some of those relationships. And now, you know, the whole roster is turned over. PJ Tucker's no longer there. I think Eric Gordon is the only one left from those rockets rocket teams that that's still that was still around. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know what their direction. I like. Do you need to go hire a new coach? Like, does Stephen Silas deserve a better opportunity as head coach? Probably. Will you get it after this? I don't know. Like, that's the thing with this team. Stephen Silas, do you try and buy out of your contract? Man, like I, I feel so bad for him. Like he came, he came over thinking he was going to be able to coach like a playoff caliber team. Um, or even like a French, French, you know, championship team. And he doesn't really get that chance um, with the way this season has played out for the Rockets and the direction of this franchise. Right. And like the Rockets desperately need, you want to talk about a team who desperately wants their pick to land on the top four. It's the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Cause if, like they, to Oklahoma City. if they don't have their pick this year, like they're bad again next year. Yeah. And that's not like you're bad for two seasons and then you're going to be bad for at least a third because whoever you're drafting in the top three is not going to help you win immediately. No, but at least you would have like a top three pick to build with. So next year, right now, Houston's on the books for 98 million. They, they could shave it down to like 95, but again, 44 million of that's John wall, right? 18 million of that's Eric Gordon. Like, Honestly, only Christian Wood's only 13 and a half. Like, he's the good money part of all this. Like, so. you got to find a way to trade, like, get John Wall into a different situation, right? I mean, in theory, yeah, but like, again, there's only so many teams. There's no play. more of those like 2016 contracts, really. No, that's the thing. He, after this season, he'll have 44 million next year and then a player option, which he's going to pick up for 47 million. So, again, what team's taking that on? Like, who wants that money, right? Even if it is just two years. So, that's part of the problem there. Eric Gordon, he's honestly the one they need to dump. Because he's at 18 and a half, 19 and a half, and then almost 21. Wow. Although his um, last year is non-guaranteed, I mean, still 18 and a half, 19 and a half, that's not good for Eric Gordon anymore. Mm-mm. So, he might be the more reasonable player to get moved that would definitely help if you could get two good role players for eric gordon then you know i think that's worthwhile if you could maybe re-sign an olenic or something at a reasonable you know deal that's something um but like and more importantly than for this team than that is you know one, do they keep the draft pick like you mentioned? Like that's the number one most important thing. But two, like if you do go into the offseason with, you know, twenty million dollars to play around with, who, like are you gonna do something stupid and go sign like a Jeremy Grant type guy mm. and be like, All right, we fixed it? <laughs> or are you going to go like, no, it's gonna be responsible and either, you know, get a few good guys on cheapish deals, or are you gonna be like a team that like takes on money from another um, team in, in like acquiring an asset that might be a move for Houston but again we're going to talk about this Oklahoma City you can only have so many picks like it's right some, you you can't take on more picks right so you got to do something so I don't know I think Houston's really just put themselves in a terrible spot yeah they have Brooklyn's future if Brooklyn becomes bad but James Harden, James Harden kept Houston relevant for a long time so who's to say he won't keep Brooklyn relevant for a long time yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Is they, I mean, Houston really believes that they're gonna be able to get picks pretty quick from Brooklyn, and I don't know if that's the case. James Harden doesn't have to keep Brooklyn good for a decade, just like five years. That's all. Right. Yeah. It's just like that's a totally doable thing. Like James Harden's what thirty-one, probably somewhere in that age range and it's not unreasonable for players now to play until at a high level until like 35 36 you're spot on with that he is 31 hey we do basketball all right so we'll go to the next team which former christian wood team the detroit Mm -hmm. pistons sitting at 14 and 35 
Um, they are getting their top 10 pick, Killian Hayes, back this week. Um, so he's been out with that hip injury for, for a while. So unlike some of these other tanking teams, like Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Houston, Detroit has not fully leaned into the acquiring picks um, mode of, of the tank. Not that they have a ton of guys to do that for, right? But they do have Jeremy Grant. They they do, or they will have um, the ability to like take on contracts. Is that Detroit's next step? Or are they a little closer to contending than we think they are? Or I think that, they contending, getting to the play-in. Uh, it's, a t- it's a tough spot for Detroit because – like they like you said like you touched on they don't have that like one asset they can flip into multiple picks like Oklahoma City did or New Orleans did right right um so that's the tricky part I mean maybe Jeremy Grant becomes that guy maybe they can get I don't know a two first round picks for Jeremy like, Grant can you get two two first and a swap for Jeremy Grant the swap may be a little too much depending on what you're taking back if you're taking back like a John Wall contract then yeah, you probably could ask for that. Um, but Jeremy Grant's been good. And I think he could be a useful player on a championship yeah. caliber team because he is that like three and a half, four that's that, that fits um, in most situations. I think the thing with the Pistons is that they've been picking at the top of the draft for a while now. This isn't a new thing for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they are picks that just haven't hit. They haven't been useful. Like Seiko Demboye. Yeah. He's just been a total miss. Well, it's like he debuted last year and he played like 10 games and looked incredible. And then ever since then has not looked incredible at all. (laughs) It's incredibly bad. Right. And then like Killian Hayes, some people are already out on him. I'm not ready to, you know, call it quits on him yet. No. But the early, early stuff hasn't been great from him. Like he, he he looks slow. He looks really slow on the NBA court, and that's the tough part. Is that when Detroit's needed to pick and hit on their picks, they've just missed. Yeah, definitely the Domboye one hurts. Um, Killian Hayes again. I'm not out on him either. I was a big Killian Hayes fan, but also like it's like somehow like they don't have a lot of guys they've drafted. Also, they've gone out and acquired Josh Jackson formerly of the University of Kansas. They've got right. acquired Dennis Smith Jr., formerly of North Carolina State. But it's like a lot of them aren't even their guys. So, you know, while like Josh Jackson's kind of, you know, come out as like something like, oh yeah, he's an NBA player. If you want to keep him next year, he's signed. Cool. Like past that, you might kind of have to pay him. But if you trade him, I don't think he's really worth that much. Right. So it's like, well, I'd love for them to be in like a pick acquisition mode. It'd be more so through like taking on bad deals and a pick with it. But um, you mentioned in a one time one of the previous teams, there aren't a lot of those 2016 contracts anymore. They're they're gone. Teams right. have gotten smarter about those deals. Right. Like if you're taking like bad contract that's not playing right now, Al Horford on Oklahoma City. We'll talk about them here in a minute. Um, like. Al Horford's not coming to Detroit. He wants to go win a championship. And like on your bench. Right. And like, what do you what is Oklahoma City getting back in that? Like you still have to match the contracts. And like it's not like you're trading Jeremy Grant for Al Horford. Well, we know Sam Presti wouldn't trade Al Horford and attach a pick with him. Right. They're looking for a pick back. They're looking for stuff back. They're not looking to offload Al Horford like as a money dump. Right. So that's not how they operate. So that's the thing for Detroit and the rest of the league is like, you can go in saying like, we can, we're going to do that to acquire picks. Teams have just gotten better about how they do contracts. Players have gotten better about signing shorter contracts. Like those things aren't just there anymore to, to be able to throw in trades because players don't want that. They don't want it to be randomly thrown in trades um, to Detroit or wherever it is. Cause I don't, and I'll blame them for that. Right. Right. But so if you're bad, you have to be very intentional and like know what you're doing for how you're going to be bad. Detroit has just not shown that over the last several years. That's why they're in the position they're in. 
Right. And a lot of that's not like Troy Weaver's fault, the current GM of that team. Got there. But I mean, he made some questionable decisions in the soft season, right? Yeah. It's an, uh, like drafting Killian Hayes was one of them. Tyrese Halliburton was there and he was available. I don't, you know. I... Even trading up and trading a pick to get Isaiah Stewart. Like, right. When it was like 16 or something. And it's like, dude, you could have just got him at like 20 or something, 25. Right. Trade up and trade a first round pick, future first away to get him. If, yeah, that felt irresponsible. And like, I, I don't know. Detroit is, has been not great for a long time. And it feels like we, we've talked about them before on previous podcasts when we've done similar topics like this. And it just feels like they're the most hopeless organization in the NBA. Like lack of talent, lack of direction. And it doesn't push them for that now, but it doesn't look like it's getting any better anytime soon. They just need to pray to the basketball gods that the draft works out for them. That they get the number one pick, essentially. Yes. All right. So we'll go to the Orlando Magic next in maybe the most active tank mode of any team in the league. Like they are they are full blown. We are going for it. Seventeen and thirty three. We're already struggling. Then they did the big you know moves where they let go of Fournier and Vucevic, um, and now they're throwing out. I mean, Window Carter's playing for them. RJ Hampton's playing for them. Like I, I'm here for that. I like that. Um, but Brian, do they even get to twenty wins this year? It's hard to imagine they do. Um, like who are they? they have to go like three and nineteen to end the year, or better. To get, I mean, what's their win win percentage right now? I feel like it's on pace with that. Yeah, so uh, they have to be a little worse than they have been, which their team is worse now than it was. They don't have Nikola Vucevic. I don't think so. Like, I if you set the under over at like nineteen and a half, like I would probably take the under. Yeah. Um. I mean, like you said, I think they're doing the right thing and playing their young guys to figure out what they have, but it's not like they have a treasure. I mean, same thing that we talked about Detroit, like some of their draft picks have just been not good. Mo Bamba. Not worked out. Not worked out. Markel, like they went and got Markel. Um, Unfortunately, he's injured this season. He's been okay when he's played. He's been better. Like he's been taking steps in the right direction, right? Jonathan Isaac is thought to be maybe a, a, like a great defender in the NBA. Unfortunately, he's hurt all the time. Chumo Kiki, like they, we're just starting to find out like his what he is as an NBA player. But again, we don't really know what this guy is. Like he'll get experience and some reps. We don't know what he is though because again, you're playing, playing like, in guard position also. Yeah, and it's like uh, he was more of like a three-four, and you're playing him more like a two-three. Which if he can be like a two-three, that's great. But like again, Orlando just everything seems miscast. Everything seems misdone. Mm. And uh, even even their coach, like Steve Clifford, like it doesn't feel like he's longed for Orlando because he wants to win. Yeah, he was definitely there for like and good for like the Vucevic years, but now it's it's time to find someone else. For sure, down there. Um, and again, I like Steve Clifford. I think he should be an NBA coach, but this is not the right situation anymore for him. Um, will they get to twenty wins? You know, I think Steve Clifford will get him to twenty wins. I don't oh, know dang. how, but I think he's going to get him there. So three wins. I, hey, I think uh, Clifford can figure out three wins. They did a great tank job last night against the Nuggets. Yeah, um, where they were up by like twenty. And it just totally flipped. And then they end up losing the game late. For Orlando's sake, I hope you're right that they don't get the 20. Because in part of the whole point of this conversation, you know, there's, there's six teams we're really talking about here with Minnesota, Houston, Detroit, Orlando. And then preview the next two are going to be Cleveland and Oklahoma City. Six teams, all one in the top five of the draft. Well, you can't fit six teams in the top five. So like someone's getting screwed here. Right. So the more wins you get, the better your odds are of getting screwed. So for Orlando's sake, they better hope they only win one or two more games. But um, 
you know, anything's possible, Ryan. They could have the third best odds to in the draft and still get outside the top five, but at least have the odds, you know. Yep. So we'll go to that next team, Cleveland, seventeen and thirty-two, mm. right there with Orlando. Um, only one less loss because they played a less game. So they've been in this position for a long time, basically since LeBron left. Um, again, so is this this is one of my most interesting questions here is this the last thing here before they start making um vucevic like trades like what chicago did is this the last tank here for them with cleveland it's always hard to tell you never know what's going to happen there uh but you felt early on in the season that this team was making steps in the right direction i think early on we talked about this off air um, we had a podcast where they were like 10 and 12 and we were talking about frisky, maybe play in team, how we miscast them early on. They then lost, proceeded to lose 10 straight and didn't win it like won two games in February or something like that. Um, it's not good. And so I think they have, you know, a core there. They still have to figure out some things like, I mean, they figured out the Andre Drummond situation, right? Like they, yes. they let him go. Kevin Love's still there. He's still playing basketball. Matthew Delvadova is coming off that bench. Matt, I didn't even – I saw a news article that said Matthew Delvadova is about to debut his season. I've totally forgot about Matthew Delvadova. Yeah. Um, sure <laughs> I think <laughs> it's just like what, – what is this team? Like there's really some, some good players there, you know, uh, Colin Sexton um, and Garland – can be a really good tandem for them, but they have to, and Okoro um, has been good for them this season as well, but they kind of got to figure out, they need one more, one more guy um, and then figure out some of their veteran situation and get some veterans in there to kind of fill out that bench. But I think they could be, um, you know, ready to kind of consolidate some of their pieces. They did acquire Jarrett Allen also snuck him um, away from Houston in that, uh, James Harden trade. So he's another guy that's a part of their core building, you know, moving forward as he should be. He's very, very talented. Your boy. Um, Jared Allen's great, great NBA center. But like, if we're just talking, like you rattled off a lot of those guys, like, okay, so Sexton and Garland in the backcourt, Okoro, let's just say Kevin Love is still on this team next year. Okoro, Love, and Allen on the in, like front court, like that's, it's not bad. That's something to build with. But then you still have like, Torian Prince is on this team. I was surprised he did not get dealt at the deadline. That was one mm-hmm. guy we did not talk about. He should yep. have got moved. Um, Larry Nance is still on this team. Jetty Osmond still on this team. It's like there, there are some guys here. It's just one, they need to all get on the court at the same time. And two, I mean, Colin Sexton's definitely taken a leap this year. He was my vote for MIP, but they really need garland and okoro to kind of start taking those steps next year and you know this year for okoro he's a rookie you know he just is what he is this year but if if they don't see significant progress moving in the next year that's when you start getting that consolidation conversation that you mentioned like okay what are we doing obviously nick Vucevic um wouldn't work for this team because they already have jared allen but like those type of guys like that would be worthy to like start looking at like, would they go trade for a Jeremy Grant, for example, or or someone like that? Or, heck, do they say, like, we're out on Garland, let's go get D'Angelo Russell? You know, just mm. randomly throwing out names here. But at, I think this is the last tank year, because at that point, then you would have this, with this year, like five young guys, Sexton, Garland, Okoro, Jarrett Allen, and the draft pick. You can't have five young guys. Or you definitely can't have more than five young guys. So... I think Cleveland, like, this is the crapper get off the pot year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It's like we saw this in Chicago. It's like they're, they drafted in the lottery for what, four years straight? They ended up with like Kobe White, Pat Williams, Laurie Markinen, Wendell Carter Jr. Like they ended up with all these like great, like potential pieces, but potential doesn't always get you wins. And and, And potential doesn't always develop. Right, exactly. Like what we hope, you know, Garland to turn out to be may never happen. Um, or even my boy Jared Allen, like he may hit a ceiling eventually. And so like what, 
you know, what, how can you build around this team that's going to be, um, keep this team competitive and in the playoff race? Because at some point, like, you got to make the playoffs again. Like, you can't have this drought with the Kings. Right. And, like, Kevin Love, is he, like, a trade asset or the opposite? Hard no. You would have to attach an asset to Kevin Love at this point. He's only played six games this year. That's just insane. You know, if you think he's still this, you know, you look back at all the previous years, like in Cleveland, um, like even the previous two, he's still a close 20 point per game scorer. So I think Kevin Love still has some good basketball in him. But you're even if he isn't a quote unquote asset, like where you're not attaching picks necessarily, or maybe you have to attach like a young player like Garland to him in a deal. I, I don't know how much you'd even get back for him. So I don't know. Maybe it's just one of those like you eventually just got to move him though. Just clear it and right. run, run with the young guys. Like just fully embrace it. So we'll go to last big topic team here, which is your Oklahoma City Thunder. Sitting at 20 and 29 somehow. Um, Ryan, why are you so bad at tanking? It's just been a nightmare this year. I don't understand how this team was competitive for as long as it was. I guess I do. Lou Dort is the answer to that question. <laughs> um, but se- Dort. Se- seriously, like SGA, like we haven't touched on this, but I, I'm going to unapologetically say SGA should have been an all-star yeah. this year. Mike Conley should not have made the all-star. I know people always like to say that. Who are you taking out? I'm taking out Mike Conley to put SGA in. The man's developed into like hitting step back threes, being a 20 plus point per game scorer, running the offense, being super efficient too. Um, and, and that's part of the reason why, like some of their guys have just developed a little bit too much. Uh, like even Dort has been really good this year. Yeah. Um, and they have him on that minimum deal. Yeah. That dude should be making, you know, 10 million plus. Yeah. He should be making Marcus smart money. Right. Yeah. Like in that ballpark, um, you know, late later in the season, finding Moses Brown, who's been a, a rebound monster. Um, and then like guys like, you know, Kenny Hustle, Kenrich Williams, yeah. just like giving like that's some good, good minutes. Team. Like that's the thing. This Thunder team is like the weirdest collection of like Tao Maladon, like good, good NBA players, potential NBA players who like together, Mark Diagonal has done a, a fantastic job of kind of getting some wins, putting pieces, wins together. And I feel like more than anything in year one of this tank, because this unfortunately for the Oklahoma state thunder is going to be a multi multi-year tank. He's shown some promise and development with these players, um, which is exciting for as an Oklahoma state thunder fan. Like Poku has gotten significantly better this year. He's got, he's making steps in the right direction. Right. Well, can think about where he was when the year started. It was just <laughs> all thing. over the place. He's less all over the place. He's um, still kind of just like he makes one or two plays, uh, but he can actually shoot the ball. He's he's a, yeah. he's fun to watch. Yeah. So, but you're right. You mentioned a lot of the names. Like they've just done a good job developing young players. So Oklahoma City is only on the books next year for like fifty two million dollars right now. <laughs> Are they even going to be able to hit the floor next year? <laughs> like, they get hit the cap like minimum. Like, you got to think they're going to take on, like, I don't know, for Horford, they're going to take on some bad money, I would imagine, um, wherever that is. Sure, you probably could. Um, I mean, like, and you'll pay whatever rookie, you know, five to $10 million a year. Right. Year and stuff. So, like, you know, they'll be at 60 ish million before you know it. But still, like, Oklahoma city is in that weird position though. And it's almost, almost the same conversation as like, we were having like the bulls and the Cavs of like, you're going to have so many actually kind of decent or potential young players. That like you're not going to know what to do with them all, especially with the, you know, bajillion picks you have coming in over the next few years too. Like you're going to keep getting that situation. So like, while I want the thunder to, you know, be a good tank team in terms of like getting like an elite top five pick this year. You, I guess you have so many more picks coming in that like it doesn't matter if you fail at tanking this year, Ryan. You could be bad next year and tank again. Or well, whoever I, you pick from could tank and be bad and you get it. I think the fun thing about the Oklahoma City Thunder is that 
whenever they start to play well and start to get back into contention, they're going to be that disgruntled superstar landing spot because of their pick situation. And that's really like the ultimate goal for these teams like New Orleans um, and Oklahoma City who have all these assets and draft assets. It's going to be whenever the next disgruntled superstar comes available, you can offer the best deal. Right. I think that's part of this play is not we're going to draft 17 first round picks over the next seven years. It's no, we're going to draft our seven and we're going to trade the other 10 picks away to get player A and B. Right. Right. And, and uh, you know, that in there's sign in trade situations that maybe Oklahoma City can get in that they haven't been able to get in before. Um, but there's a lot of possibilities here. Sam Presti is maybe one of the best GMs in the league. And so like he's going to get creative with how he builds this team. What I appreciate about this team currently more than any other Oklahoma city team I've watched is they actually value like, you know, shooting the three point (laughs) three point shot, um, which is why they've been kind of good. They haven't been, they've been eliminating a lot of those bad shots. A traditional Oklahoma city team has taken. Well, Shea's been so good, not just about taking him himself and making him, but like he's getting to lane at will this year, which is just incredible. Like I think was it Kurt Goldberry put out a thing like he's getting into lane like twenty five times a game. Off, he's ground. like the, statistically the most aggressive NBA player this year. Yeah, and then you're forcing the defense to collapse, and he's just kicking it out. So, like that's great for his development, the team's development, but but bad for your tank. So, you know, live and die with it. That's an interesting thing. It's like, I wonder how SGA fits into all of this. Um, this timeline now. Because I, he's max, he's extension eligible, eligible this summer, right? To yes, sign an extension. So it, that's going to be an interesting piece to watch. Like, is Shea wanting to commit to Oklahoma State long term? Or is he going to ask for a trade? We just talked about Zion maybe, you know, taking qualifier offer. Could Shea do that? I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, the, the problem is he started in Los Angeles and they got sent to Oklahoma City. Which, right. No offense to Oklahoma City, but you suck in comparison to Los Angeles. <laughs> it's fair. I've been to both places. I can say that Oklahoma City is the lesser city. Yeah, by a bit. So, um, so we're not really, really talking about these last two teams, but just want to throw the names out there. The Wizards and the Raptors, um, both sitting at like 19 wins right now. Um how worried should we be out there, Ryan? Because they're not trying to tank. Like, they don't want to be bad, but they're bad. I mean, we kind of saw this with the Wizards, right? Like, I had I was higher on the Wizards this year than I think most people were. I had them as, like, my seven or nine or something. Like, Yeah, they're your boys, the Wizards. Um, and a lot of it has been, you know, Westbrook not being good and the, the piece around them not really being ready for playoff contention. No. The Raptors were kind of a surprise, I think, to everyone at like their quick dissension into just being bad. It's not bad, but just not. On COVID, though, they've been out a lot. But still, yeah. they had like, you know, okay, their cores Lowry, Van Fleet, Siakam, Ananobi. They've had three of those guys out there at a time for a majority of the season, though. So, again, they should not be this bad. There's no reason with Nick Nurse also as their head coach, they should be this bad. So I think Toronto has some real issues, but we're not going to talk too much on them. I, I'm a bit worried here. I'm worried about Toronto too. Real but worried. Maybe they get in one of those San Antonio Spurs situations where it's like, oh, we're bad, but then we go draft, but we have David Robinson and we draft Tim Duncan. Right. You no. Know, maybe right. they get in one of those like, oh, somehow they get Evan Mobley or something. And it's like, mm. okay, all right, fixed. Fix. Back to competing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ryan, who are you watching this week on League Pass? I'm going to watch the Lakers this week. I'm fascinated to see. I've watched the Lakers kind of on and off um, over the last couple weeks um, just to see how they play without their superstars. Um, I would be, I'm interested to continue to follow that. Yeah. I'll go with Miami. See the Victor Oladipo integration there. Um, mm-hmm. How they balance their, those lineups. So I'm looking, I'm looking up the Lakers schedule right now. So the rest of this week, I think they, they play have, each other. Yeah. They have the Raptors heat nets on Saturday 
and that's and then the next next Monday. So they have some they have some tests coming up, especially the Heat. Yeah, the Heat have Grizzlies um, tomorrow, Tuesday, and like you said, Lakers, and they have Portland next Sunday. Ooh, that's that's a fun game. Yeah, they I feel like they just played each other too. Yeah, I think I think Dame went off on that game. That was yeah. the weird like overtime game I think they had. That sounds right. Um. Anyways, Matt, we're gonna go watch the national championship for college basketball. Uh, go Zags! Oh, there's his pick. I guess when this podcast publishes, okay. we'll know if Matt's right. I I don't I don't really know about either team. I I just want Jalen Suggs on the Oklahoma City Thunder. So that's about it. Um. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to episode. 106 and we'll see you back week next week for episode 107 yeah.